Good morning. It's Melissa. I am the founder of A Yogi Kitchen and Pantry. Welcome. This is Off the Mat, where we come together and we talk about the lessons of yoga that are either learned on the mat through our asana practice, or sometimes like this month, when we focus on the yamas and the practice of being a yogi off the mat. All right, let's just jump right into this. We are focusing on the word non-judgment this session. And I know this is a big one, right? I know you are probably rolling your eyes, either actually rolling or some kind of internal mental rolling of your eyes because it's a really big one and it's work that we all can do. And I know it's hard. I know I'm asking a lot. But I also know how awesome you guys are. I know how you really take the practice of yoga on and off the mat very seriously. And maybe you're not so into the self-study. You're not so much going to go read on your own. or But when you come to class and I ask you to breathe into the word or I remind you in a podcast or on the blog, I know you guys are thinking about it. I know you're doing that internal work. And maybe you're even talking about it with your friends or your family or other yogis. Uh, I know for a fact that one of the teachers in town said to me, oh, I heard this is a couple months back. I can't remember what the word is. It might have been we are focusing on joy. She said, oh, I heard you're focusing on joy this session. That's awesome. And I just kind of looked at her and she said, we share some students. And I was like, okay. Like, I didn't know if she'd been reading the blog or if she'd listened to the podcast or what it was. So I know you guys are talking about it and you're putting it out there. And and she told me that she overheard some of her students sort of talking about joy because this person brought it up, like after class or before class. I don't even know. And I just thought that was really a beautiful thing. I'm teaching a class right now. And it's new. So new classes. This is the one that's tomorrow at 4 p.m. If you're in the Lawrence, Kansas area, it is at ECM at KU, which is a community organization. It's a nonprofit that is actually not part of KU. People get it confused. But anyway, it's a brand new class. So that means, you know, sometimes I have one. Sometimes I have three. It's a small class. And frankly, I like teaching small classes. I think it's appropriate for us to teach as close to one-on-one as possible. I There's a person who works at this organization. He's a volunteer there. And he keeps telling me how there's so much competition in yoga and how, you know, too much competition. He's like, if you taught Tai Chi, there wouldn't be so many classes. And then you'd be – and here's what I think. I think that it's lovely that we have so much yoga in Lawrence because we're a community – whether you know a teacher really well, whether you've kind of heard of them, we're all doing this practice, which brings such beautiful energy to Lawrence, Kansas. And I love that we're all teaching at different times. We're all teaching different kinds of yoga. We're all teaching it in different ways. We have different focuses. That's a beautiful thing. And competition is okay. Like it's, I am not everyone's cup of tea. You guys know that. You know that I talk a lot in classes. You know my classes aren't totally silent. There's a lot of people that really like that. But there are people who come to class, and I can tell they're annoyed by the fact that I talk so much. And I used to spend a lot of time trying to cater to each person's needs. 
And I know this seems so simple. You guys probably got this way earlier in life than I did. But finally, I just decided I'm going to stop beating myself up over this one because I can't make every single person happy. And so that's how I got to it. I can't make every single person happy. Not so much that, Melissa, just be you. You do you. That wasn't it. It was just like, I'm going to kill myself trying to make every person happy, so I'm not going to do that. So I just teach the way that I teach. And there are a lot of people who, if they want silence, they go find a different kind of teacher. Um, I struggled for a long time, whether I was leading a yoga class or whether I was teaching yoga. And there's a difference. And I just decided to keep it my eclectic mix. Like I don't have to make a change. I don't have to just lead yoga. And I even used to think, well, if I'm just leading yoga and people are paying me like 25 bucks a class, then that's what they get. If I'm teaching, then you're coming to a workshop or I'm charging you way more than $25 for class. Like it's worth more when you get my knowledge versus when I just lead you. And I sort of let go of that judgment. There is a point to what I say. I promise. I know it sounds like I'm just babbling, but it always comes back around. So I had to let go of my judgments around what is worthy because one person coming to yoga and just being led through a practice and another person coming to yoga and learning all kinds of stuff about dialectical behavior therapy or about self-love or the alignment in certain poses are the same. It's my judgment. I was putting worth on them. I was seeing one thing is more worthy than the other. And it's not true because sometimes all you need, the one thing you need in the world is just to be quiet, be in a class where someone just talks to you and tells you what to do. And you don't have to think about what doing what you're doing. And for someone that could be worth way more than learning about alignment in a pose. And so I had to let go of some of those judgments. And a lot of them were about me. It was more about me and who I am as a teacher than it was about the pose. So today we're going to talk about how to reframe our self-judgments. Notice how judgy you are towards yourself. And that's all. Just notice. And it's actually kind of tough work. I know it seems really simple, and sometimes the simple things, especially in yoga, it feels like, the simple things can be the toughest things, right? Like mountain pose. Simple pose on some level. Really an advanced pose. Really makes you think about a lot of things. Makes you work on alignment a certain way. And in a lot of, when I teach that pose, I often say, I'm going to throw a lot of information at you. What sticks, what feels right to you, what resonates with you, work on that. What goes over your head, just let it go. Don't worry about it because you're going to hear these instructions many, many, many times over the years of being a yoga practitioner. And so every time we come to a pose, right, we're coming with beginner's mind and we're being really present in that moment, not worrying about what happened before. And one day, when you're in a pose, you'll hear your teacher say something that maybe you've heard 50 times before, 
And one day it just clicks. It resonates with you. You're like, oh. And I've seen it happen also with lowering down into plank or lowering to low plank. From regular plank down to low plank, chaturanga dasana. Um, I've seen it hit people like this light bulb goes on. I mean, literally, like their face lights up. And there's just a different energy about them. And nine times out of ten, people go, oh, my God, I was making that so much harder than it needed to be. It's actually fairly simple. But it was so hard to be able to shift the mindset and also the emotions around doing something that's new or different or, you know, requires more strength than other poses that you enjoy. Um, so it's the same thing about, about judgment, right? It, it's a simple idea. Don't judge. There is no good or bad. But it's a hard practice. So last couple weeks, I've just asked you to be aware of that self-talk. And notice especially when it's negative. And the hard part of this often is not beating yourself up because you're using abusive self-talk. It's just being able to say, oh, listen to that. How I just talked to myself. That was pretty negative. That was pretty abusive. So this week or so, I am inviting you to reframe your self-talk. So I use an example of me burning butter, right? I'm a chef. So this should be a really simple thing to brown butter without burning it, or even just to use butter to cook without burning it. But it happens, right? It happens to all of us. I know you guys burn butter. I'm not the only one. So my self-thought could be, Holy shit, Melissa, how could you possibly burn butter? You're a chef. What is wrong with you? Why are you not paying closer attention? Why did you turn the stove on so high? Like all kinds of stuff, right? Swirling around in my mind, pissed off that I did this. Instead of saying, oh, wow, I am not being very present. I just wasn't paying attention to how high the stove was on, or I wasn't paying attention to how long the butter has been in the pan. And maybe it's a moment to just step back and take a little break because I know you do this too. How often do you make a mistake like that and then you turn around, you're pissed off. You know, for me, it's I throw the butter down the drain or wherever I'm going to put it in the compost pile or whatever. And then I rinse out the pan, put it back on, burn the butter again. Because either the pan hasn't slowed down enough, or I mean, cooled down enough, I'm just not paying attention because I'm so angry and in my head and beating myself up that I turn around and make the exact same mistake again. So I think there's two ways to reframe it. That first way that I just said, like, oh, wow, I'm not really paying attention. Like, I need to be more present in the moment. That's the super non judgmental way to do this. I think there's a step in between, though. And it's when we make those mistakes, when I burn the butter next time, go, oh, honey, baby, you are really distracted right now. I am so sorry for you. Let's take a moment. Let's take a little break. Let's sit down, have some water and just relax for a moment. And then you can come back once the pan is cooled down. And so it's more of that cheerleader kind of thing, which in itself is judgment. So I think we don't go from judgment to non-judgment. I think maybe we go from that negative self-judgment to maybe a more positive self-judgment, more cheerleading kind of judgment till we can get to that place where we say, oh, not being present right this moment. I'm going to take a little break. I'm going to recenter and then go back to it. 
And those are just facts, right? This is what happened. This is what I'm going to do. No emotion around it. No beating myself up or cheerleading. Just being present in the moment. And you know, cheerleading feels good. There's, there's not a lot wrong with cheerleading on some level. I mean, it can get toxic. But I think cheerleading is for so many of us, I know for me, and I know there have to be a lot of you out there too, who maybe have grown up in families that don't talk to each other so nicely, families who are verbally abusive, families who have really high expectations, mistakes are not allowed to be made, um, which is a a different level of abuse, Um, just trauma-ridden families. And whether that was your family or there was some other situation in your life, someone you dated, a work situation that was really abusive, that made you start thinking you weren't enough, that made you start judging yourself. So some of us have it from birth, from our family of origin. Someone have, some of us have it from other situations in life. And I kind of think it doesn't really matter um, where it comes from. It's just, what are you going to do about it now? So that is a really nice way of reframing your self-talk is let's cheerlead. And then after you've gotten really good at cheerleading, maybe move straight into the just naming the facts. Now, if for whatever reason you feel like that cheerleading thing isn't for me, there's another way to do that is when you feel those emotions, and this also is always assuming that you are being present with who you are, mind, body, spirit, that you are doing your check-ins, you're noticing how your heart feels, you're noticing what's happening in your brain, you're noticing what's happening in your body. I once said something online um, about listen to your heart, it never leads you wrong. And someone that I know, um, this is on Facebook, so it's someone I knew from from when I was a teenager, was like, really? Do you really believe that? And I, I think she was being a little, like, I don't think she was asking, like, in a very honest way. I think she was being a little sarcastic. That's why I said it with that tone. Um, and I realized my mistake in saying that is I'm making the assumption that you are being really present with who you are physically, emotionally, mentally. And then you listen to your heart. But when we're not being present with it and we're not taking care of our mental health, we're not taking care of our physical ailments, we're not you know, being present with our healing, then yeah, your heart space can lead you wrong. If you're you know, in a lot of pain and it's bringing up some, let's say, depression, um, your heart space is probably not speaking true to you. So it's about getting really present. And also our heart space in our brain sometimes gets really confused. Like people, it's hard for them to separate what's happening mentally from what's happening emotionally and vice versa. And I think that, um, we often think, oh, my heart wants this, when actually it's our brain telling our heart that it wants it. And sometimes it's our brain's really skewed stuff. Like for me, it can be anxiety stuff. My brain lies to me. My brain tells me I'm in danger when I'm not. My brain makes my body believe I'm in danger when I'm not. It makes my heart believe I'm in danger when I'm not. So it's about getting really present with that stuff. So I have to be very aware of my anxiety disorder, my panic stuff, So that when I'm feeling like I'm in danger, I can look around and I can listen to the facts and I can say, oh, no, this is just my brain. Heart, body, you're okay. We're fine. 
brain's going crazy right now. And I shouldn't have used the word crazy, but brain's, you know, doing its own little dance right now. So I think the same thing is true about non-judgment is you really need to be present with who you are physically, emotionally, mentally, to be able to get to that place of non-judgment. So when whatever it is that lies to you, whether it's your body or your brain, making your body lie to you, whatever it is, when you have that moment, God damn it, I burned the butter. What the fuck is wrong with you? You can go to that place and notice what is true. Okay, what is true is I wasn't really paying attention. I got distracted. No judgment about that. It happens to all of us, right? I got distracted. Maybe it's the cat just puked and I was taking care of that. And then I got away from what's on the stove. So of course I burned the butter. So I burned the butter. That is a fact. I got distracted. That is a fact. I'm going to clean it up and I'm going to start again. That is a fact. So it's just about being really present with the facts, even if their emotions are involved. Why am I really angry? I'm angry because it's just another piece of evidence that shows me I'm not worthy. And why do I think I'm not worthy? Because I was told I was not worthy so much. That's hard stuff to unlearn. So non-judgment is really big stuff. And that's just my little world of non-judgment. You know, if you go talk to your therapist or to a different yoga teacher about self-judgment and how we talk to ourselves, um, they may have a really different perspective. Not that mine is wrong and theirs is right, but there's so many different ways of looking at it. So I encourage you this week, this week or so, we'll see, I think a week of thinking about reframing your self-judgment. How can you look at it? And maybe it's just, yeah, I burned the butter. I'm going to stop cooking right now. I'm going to grab an apple. Maybe I'll do this later. That's a perfect fine way to, to not necessarily reframe your thinking, but step back from that judgment. Like, oh, I did this thing, so now I'm just going to distract myself with something else. I'm going to go eat something else, and then I'm going to come back later. So there's a lot of food for thought there. I hope that you are enjoying some of this deep work. I know it's big stuff, and it can be really uncomfortable, but I also know that it's really worthy work and that you got this. You can... You can, I don't know, I was going to say like kick self-judgment in the butt. But really, you know, we go through periods in our lives and we work on something for a while. And then you get to a place where you feel really comfortable with it. Like, oh, you know, I'm doing, I'm, I'm doing the work and I'm feeling the benefits of it and I'm good. And I've done this. I've done, you know, I've done a few years of therapy here and then I'll not do therapy for like, five, 10 years, and then I'll go back and do therapy again because it keeps shifting and changing. So the work I did on self-judgment, like when I first came to yoga 20 some years ago, is really different than the work I'm doing on self-judgment right now. Different issues have come up, but also I have a different way of speaking to myself now. Um, I might go, oh, Melissa, that was a really stupid thing to do, but I don't actually think I'm stupid. I'm just now in the habit of saying things I don't really mean about myself. Back in the day, 
If I said, Melissa, you fucking idiot, I meant it. I meant that I was an idiot. So now I'll still have that language, which is not healthy either. Or, okay, that was a judgment in itself. But, you know, it's it's something I'd like to step away from. But it is just language. I actually don't believe. There is, and people are like, well, if you don't believe it, what's the difference? Because when we say those violent things to ourselves, it changes our brain chemistry, even if you don't believe that I'm a fucking idiot, or I don't believe that I'm a fucking idiot. It changes the brain chemistry. And so I want to get away from dumping those, that brain chemistry, the cortisol, right, that comes from the stress of thinking that I'm an idiot, or comes from the stress of burning the butter. If I can just step back and say, ooh, the butter burned. I'm not dumping a lot of cortisol, right? But if I'm like, holy fuck, look what you did cortisol and adrenaline and all these things that aren't so great for my body and that also I don't want to have present in the moment in my body, they start, you know, getting dumped. So that's sort of what I have to say about reframing your self-talk. I love hearing from you guys. So I want to hear what, you know, what you think about this, what your practice has been like so far this session what you're looking forward to as you learn how to shift and reframe your self-talk and your self-judgment and moving closer to a place of non-judgment. I don't know in all honesty if anyone gets to a place of complete non-judgment, um, at least in this negative way. We, we are always going to judge certain things. And I've, I've said this a lot. I don't know if I said it in the podcast, but you know, you always have to judge. Can I eat another cookie? Am I too full? Should I eat another cookie? Um, can I make it through the yellow light? Am I going to get there before the red or not? You know, we're always judging those things and that's okay. So we never get to a place of complete non-judgment. We're just talking this session about that self-talk. So let's talk about what's coming up in just a moment. All right, let's take a moment and just talk about what's coming up. Um, today is Sunday. We are at the first Sunday of the month. So normally that is our family potluck and we're not doing it this month because so many other things came up for me and um, people kept canceling. Things keep coming up for other people too. So I just said, you know what, let's not stress ourselves out about it. We're going to meet next month. April 2nd, I believe, is the first Sunday of the month. And so if you're in the Lawrence, Kansas area, it's a potluck. And we, I, I will do a dish. I, I want it to be a new dish, something I haven't done before, to share with you guys, kind of try out with you guys. And you bring whatever you want. You can bring a main dish if you want. But you can also bring salad or dessert or whatever. And at the end of our meal, you can take home whatever you want. But you can also leave whatever you want. And we will box it up and put it at the pantry at Sunrise Project. And I'll also take some and walk downtown and see if there are people who need some meals down on Mass Street. So that's four two. Put it on your calendars. We meet from one till three. Um, what else is coming up? Our next meal is cold cannon soup on March 15th. Again, that's if you're in the Lawrence, Kansas area. And we are looking for bakers. We just broke a record at Sunrise. We usually feed about 300 people. Um, there have been times we've just had about 250 come. And then anything that we've made that's over the number of people who show up to get served, 
goes into the fridge. So often, either later that night after we're done with dinner or the next morning, you can still find meals in the, the, front, pa the front porch pantry fridge. Last meal, we served 375 people. The people who are in the kitchen, served, like boxing up food and cooking, never stopped. It went nonstop the entire time we were there. So normally we kind of finish the cooking around four o'clock. We start boxing up things for deliveries. And then people show up at five o'clock to either take their meals home or to sit down and eat. And around, I don't know, 4.30, 4.45, we're like, ooh, is this going to be enough? And we were a little concerned. And we just never know. You never know every week how it's going to turn out. We decided to just wait. By 5.20, 20 minutes into service, we're like, oh, this is not going to be enough. And so someone ran to the grocery store and got some more ingredients, and Melissa kept cooking, kept making more sauce and pasta, which was the big issue. Luckily, we had enough veggies, which was the harder thing to cook, but it was just the pasta and the sauce that needed to continually be cooked. And she continued to just make it over and over for the next two hours. And we went to the grocery store another time. So needless to say, I had prepared for 300 meals. We had 320 desserts maybe. And there were some people who didn't have get dessert, which, you know, they got a meal. So that's lovely. But we want to be able to serve homemade desserts also. So if you or someone in the Lawrence, Kansas, Topeka, Kansas City area wants to bake for us, give me a text, 785-760-5412. And I'll put you in the rotation. So basically, most people, we have one or two people who bake every meal, and then most people bake once a month, once every six weeks, is I shoot you a text and I say, hey, would you mind baking for this meal? And if it works for you, great, and if it doesn't, that's okay, I'll ask a different time. And we ask every baker to make about three, four dozen, whatever you're making, cookies, brownies, people make uh, banana bread, and they just you know slice it up in a way that they can get... 36 or 48 servings. Um, it's a lot of fun. You do it in your home. We can send out a delivery driver. If you're in the Lawrence area, we can pick, send out a delivery driver to pick it up for you. Uh, you can come join us at sunrise when you drop it off, hang out for an hour or so. If you would like to join us in person, please go to sunriseprojectks.org and sign up to join us in person. If you want to bake, you can just send me a text. Um, not a problem. So that's what's going on with that on the on um, Friday, St. Patrick's Day Parade. We are going to have a float because we are one of the recipients. I'm sorry, we, meaning Sunrise Project, one of the recipients for um, the St. Patrick's Day Parade fundraising events that have been happening. Three different nonprofits receive all... Um, the, the funds that they raise, they get divided up, and it's it's quite a nice chunk. So we're going to have a float. We'll be there. We'll receive our checks. Come on out, and if you would like to decorate, please come join us. We're going to be decorating Thursday evening. Uh, I'm not really sure where. Somewhere near Sunrise. It'll either be at Sunrise or we'll be at the executive director's home, and she doesn't live too far from Sunrise, so that's 15th and Leonard. Um, here in Lawrence, Kansas. If you are online joining us, we have a new class. Thursday mornings, 7 a.m. to 7.30 is gentle wake-up yoga on Zoom. 
It used to be a pop-up and now it's a regular class. And this Thursday, may, we may even have a pop-up in the evening. I will be posting on social media. If you're not following us on social media, please do. Go to the Facebook page, go to Instagram, go to Twitter. You can just Google a yogi kitchen.com or a yogi kitchen and things will pop up or you can go to the website yogikitchen.com and there's a link we're even on pinterest i don't post on pinterest very often but we're there um and you'll stay up to date with everything that's going on and then of course come back here because i always have at the end a little what's coming up so off the top of my head those are the biggest things that are coming up um like i said we're going to do potluck next month for two is our yoga family potluck. And if you listen to the podcast, if you read the blog, if you get the newsletter, if you've ever taken a class with me, if you've ever been in a workshop with me or a retreat with me, you are part of our family. So please join us and you can text me for my address, 785-760-5412. Right now, when um, our numbers are small enough, we'll meet at my house. If we ever get to a place where the potluck gets bigger, we'll meet somewhere else. But for right now, we're at my home, and I love inviting you guys into my home. I love having the yogis in my home. I hope you're having a really awesome day. Namaste. Mm -hmm.